Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christine Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we will continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with Forrest Frizzle, the CEO of Shifted Energy. Aloha, Forrest. Thank Aloha. you so much for coming. So happy to be here. Yeah, so we will begin, but before we start, let me just give you a little intro on Forrest. Um, he is the CEO of Shifted Energy. Prior, he was the director of IT for Hawaii Gas, tasked with IT strategy and its alignment with the objectives of the company. He is president of the board for Purple Maya and sits on the corporate board of Boys and Girls Club of Hawaii, which is, I think, where we originally met. In 2012, Frizzle was invited to give a TEDx Honolulu talk and was selected as one of the 13 emerging local leaders to convene in the inaugural class of the Omidyar Omidyar Fellows Program, which I definitely would like to chat a little bit more about that as well. He received recognition as one of Pacific Business News 40 Under 40 Class of 2012 and Hawaii's Business 20 for the next 20, People to Watch in 2013. So we have some uh, gap of time here, which he's been working on a startup. So we were going to definitely dive into that shifted energy area, but Maybe you can start with your background. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Oregon. I was uh, I lived in a really rural town. Um, and when I say rural, I mean rural. Like you didn't see your nearest neighbor's home. Um, I had a 45-minute bus ride to school in the morning. Um, so it was an interesting, you know, existence. Um, we, we lived a very um, live-off-the-land lifestyle. And... Um, you know, I, I think it definitely kind of helped to create the person that I am, I am today. You had to be very creative um, to have fun. There wasn't parks and um, roller skating rings and all the, that type of stuff that you do as a kid readily available. So you had to be really creative. And, um, um, and I think it's also kind of my love for being outside and outdoors and fishing and all that kind of stuff. So how did you make your way to Hawaii? I had a really good friend. Um, in Oregon, his name was Ho'ala and, um, I just was looking to do something different and, um, his family basically opened up their, their doors for me. And I, I came initially just to check it out. And, um, at the end of the checkout period, I said, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm staying here. Is that okay? And the family said, absolutely live with us. And, um, so I, I'm pretty fortunate, uh, to have, that experience, I think, in old Hawaii, Hanai was something that happened pretty readily, and in, in New Hawaii, not so much. But um, you know, for me, the true sense of the word of being kind of nourished and fed, and um, just being around amazing people, um, so I, I feel really fortunate. And it also instills kind of deep uh, kuleana for me and the work that I do in our community. Awesome. So, personal life, want to share? Um, well, I mean, family, you know, well, I got married. Yeah, yeah. I, I got married, uh -huh. um, to an amazing woman a, a month ago. We made our one month uh, oh, anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's, in, she's incredible. So it's kind of funny. She's a, she has her master's in electrical engineering. Um, and so she really like, kind of understands 
well what we're doing. Um, and people make fun of us that we must have like the nerdiest pillow talk. It's it's nice to have your um, significant other be smarter than you. It, it helps. <laughs> Oh, so she's short of you. All right. Um, well, that's awesome. I know mine's um, coming up on a year now, so it's uh, flying by. So it's good stuff. Um, moving on, what do you do for fun? Yeah, so I kind of, I guess, as I alluded to, I love being outside. I'm a water guy, so I, I surf, I spearfish. Um, mostly these days I'm doing a lot of paddling. I have a one man canoe and that's my time to be outside and reconnect with nature. Um, and I've, I've, I have a little hack. Um, I have a PVC pipe that I've attached to my Yako. Um, and I, I take my fishing pole out and so I I fish off my one man and, um, that's really fun. I, I, you know, I've hooked into some pretty decent sized fish. Do you go it, by yourself or do you go with other people? Sometimes I go by myself. Um, I, I have a couple friends that I go with and if our schedules align, then, then we, you know, we go together, but, um, it, there's nothing like catching a fish on a one man canoe. It's pretty you, crazy. You feel everything and it's, um, there's just no leverage. What's the biggest fish you caught? I caught a, um, a seventy-eight pound ulua. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, how do you do that? That oh was like a, it must just like be pulling you all around. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it took me about an forty-five minutes to land it. Um, oh yeah. And was the boat okay to carry something? Like probably that? not. I, I had to. How far out do you go? Uh, I go a couple miles out. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I was by myself. Oh my! You have to be careful. <laughs> and I've got some twenty-pound ahis that. Um, and I caught a 20 pound Aku that gave a really awesome fight. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's, yeah. awesome. My brother does spear fishing, but, and, and on the regular boat, but not a canoe or a I know kayakers do it too. Yeah, so. Anyhow, moving on, let's get into the energy sector here. So, how did you get into the energy field? You know, I, I, I've been in tech my whole career and I've been paying attention to what's happening with climate change and we we just we have to do something we have to move quickly and i I think it's all hands on deck kind of thing and i i wanted to understand it better and and find a way that i could help out uh and and so that's actually when when i went to hawaii gas i wanted to understand energy um Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a great opportunity. Here's a company that's been around for over 100 years in Hawaii on all islands, um, uh, completely, you know, understanding distribution of energy mm-hmm. um, and having relationship with with the end user. Uh, and so I started there. And then when the startup opportunity came about, I thought this is um, this is really I've always wanted to do a startup. Um, and, uh, and I, and, you know, our founder, Olin and I are good friends we've known each other for a really long time. And I, I thought it'd be equally as fun to work with him, um, and just be risky and, and go for it. And so I made the decision, uh, I was the second employee with shifted energy and, um, yeah, been drinking from the fire hose ever since, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, we will definitely dive more into into what you're doing there. So when you're at Hawaii Gas, what kind of things, I guess, did you learn? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always a, an, 
an, a user experience person. From my IT days, I, I always really focused on who is going to consume this product that we we're developing or we're going to implement. And I learned that at, at Hawaii Gas as well, like how important the customer was and um, being able to satisfy their needs and making sure they understand what's available and what programs are in place. And, um, and you know, at the end of the day, that's who we serve and that's what's most important. And that's what I, I walked away with from, from Hawaii Gas. It just, you know, it just reiterated what I kind of already believed that you have to you have to develop solutions with the person in mind who's going to actually use those solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to the, um, I think the shift where everything's moving towards is this sustainable world, you know, that we live in, and a lot of what is currently going on is working for right now. But um, I think in order for a lot of these companies to continue to progress they're gonna and still be around they've got to diversify and kind of look into a more to their future so i think um i think a lot of the bigger companies are starting to realize that they need to do that in order to survive because some of the things that they're doing is maybe um coming to a close i guess so i mean it's good to see that new companies are started but i i hope some of these bigger companies kind of step up and whether it's, you know, working on and partnering with companies, I hope that like you guys, maybe I hope that you guys get that partnership going with, you know, more than one party so we can progress faster. So now into shifted energy, which I think most of our listeners have no clue about you. I would say my goal with Smart Living Hawaii is to reach the green to green the people that are just starting in this area and are curious about it, but may not know a lot. So um, I do like to give them more of a one-on-one on things mm-hmm. when I do the introductions so they're not completely lost or have to do research before they listen to any of these podcasts. So if you can, um, I know we have some videos and we'll definitely have the links um, for your videos that explain it a little bit better um, that they can look at later. But for now, could you explain what your product with Shifted Energy is all about? Yeah, so um, we're currently we're working with electric storage water heaters. And so in the in the space, what we do is called grid interactive water heater. So essentially, we're taking a dumb device and making it smart um, through a, a controller and some um, highly intelligent software. Um, and so we take a machine learning approach with our water heaters and we really, what's important to us is to understand how each family uses that water heater. Uh, and we do that for a couple of reasons. We can maximize the capacity that we can gain from that water heater, but we also ensure a good experience for the end user. And so we take that information and we aggregate it up and that gives us a, um, a load that the utility, an energy load that the utility can use for various services. And, and so th- that um, is a, probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to everybody. So in, in easier terms, like here in Hawaii, we have a lot of rooftop solar. So from 10 to 2, we're pumping all this energy and it's clean energy. Um, but that's the lowest time of day for our, our, our load. Um, so if we can get our all of the water heaters in Hawaii to, to build, to use energy from 10 to 2, we can use cheap, renewable energy. And so then the water heater is nice and hot. At, towards the end of the day, 
five to nine, the sun goes down. That's when you see the biggest peak on our on our system. Everybody's home. Everybody's Get home. The water heater is already hot. And so the water heater is not going to go out and, and ask for those electrons from the grid. And so we can help to reduce that peak demand. So you're not, you're not reliant upon fossil fuel to meet the needs of the peak. Yeah. So basically, you guys charge up the water heaters when everybody's at work. Yeah. <laughs> and it stays hot. So you're still able to have your hot showers that you want. It's just using clean energy during the daytime. Right. And you, and you can think about us as like a virtual power plant um, when you aggregate. So if you're, if, if you're looking at thousands of water heaters, you don't look at it as the individual water heater. It's this, it's the full load. Um, and we can then give the, the grid operator, the utility, a very accurate forecasting of exactly how much um, capacity they can work with. Um, and so it helps them with their planning. And it also, you know, in our case here in Hawaii, it helps with um, stabilizing the grid so we can we can use more renewable resources. Yeah, and I think that also gives data for for the future. I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of things that we're doing right now is it's hard to track it. Right. And it's hard to measure, are we doing better? And I know that like white green growth and the stuff that they're doing, sure they would love to have your stats eventually once we get it up to that level um, because that's that's what they do so we can track everything that's yeah if you can't measure it you can't track it yeah exactly so um that's the i guess that in a nutshell of what you guys are doing but um maybe you could talk about how you're partnered with hico then right so hawaiian electric has been really an incredible partner um we've done multiple pilots with them over the course of the last few years, it's helped us to, you know, build the solution that we have today. Um, and so we're, you know, we, they've been such a great partner. Um, most recently, we did a, a pilot pilot with them and we purposefully um, did our pilot in a kupuna. Uh, and for those non-Hawaii listeners, um, elder kupuna is elder housing that was also low income. And for us, we did that on purpose because this is a location where I guarantee you no solar salesman has ever sold, showed up and tried to sell a solar system. No battery installer has ever showed up to try and sell a battery. There's zero electric vehicles in the parking lot. And so this is your most vulnerable, most at-risk people in our community, but there's no programs in place for them. And so they ultimately are the rate payer. Um, but with, but they all had electric water heaters. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to show that they could be brought into a program. They could receive bill credit. Um, and the more, the most important thing that we've learned through all of this, and this is, we've done surveying for, you know, the last four years, um, people want to know more than even receiving the bill credit that they are helping Hawaii to wean itself of fossil fuel. And that was the same with this group of kupuna. When, when we explained to them that by going through this program, they're helping the, the grid to, to achieve that goal, they were like all on board 100%. Yeah, so I think that's what we talked about yesterday with Hawaii Energy is it's just a win-win. And if we can find win-wins, then um, I think everybody would be on board if they understand what it is. And so I feel that you guys are another one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Hawaii Energy was part of that um, pilot. Um, and, and so Hawaii Energy, Hawaii Electric and us um, came together to put that 
program together. And for Hawaii Energy, they get a really they get incredible data. Mm-hmm. Um, so not even so daily data, daily use data of how how the water heaters are being used, but then demographic data where we're working. And I know with them, one of their big things is wanting to get out to more. Um, they call it you know, Alice or hard to reach ratepayers. Right. Um, and, and so here's a direct pathway to be able to get to those folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So understanding that, which if you have not listened to the Hawaii energy podcast, then you should probably listen to that one first. And then this one would be a follow-up, but if not, then just go back and listen to it. Cause it'll explain a little bit more about their connection and how energy efficiency works here in Hawaii and what, what they're doing and the great things that's going on. But um, moving on to where did shifted energies idea come from? Yeah. So I, I really love this story. We're, and we're very unique in this sense. So there is a nonprofit called Kanu Hawaii, and they do um, really incredible work uh, focused around agriculture and energy sustainability. They, um, you know, you go into any grocery store in Hawaii now, you see the the local tag. Um, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Th- that all was a result of Kanu Hawaii doing this Eat Local Challenge uh, a handful of years ago. Um, and it's now pervasive. You see it in every shopping um, we need a tag that says sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in, at Olin was the executive director at Kanu, and um, they were doing a bunch of energy efficiency work, uh, had gotten different various EPA grants and whatnot, and just kept coming back to this equity thing where you know, hard to reach ratepayers, there's just not programs in place. So you can do energy efficiency, but beyond that, um, there's no there's no solar, there's no batteries, there's no EVs. Um, but oftentimes seeing there is an electric water heater and that is the, f- typically the first or second largest consumer of energy in the home, heating or cooling would be the only thing above it. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that there is a way to control the water heater smartly and enroll those into programs, but not really happy with what was on the market, decided to, um, eat, step down from Kanu and incubate the idea as shifted energy. And so we're, we are a startup that was actually incubated out of a nonprofit and that, that is really rare. And we, we really like honor that in terms of where we work and how we work with people. Um, We're all, we're all rooted in community in the beginning, even though we are a a startup and we, we have to show earnings and all that kind of, you know, the the fun things that come with being a startup, but we're rooted in that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think moving forward, there's a lot that's going to be in the sustainable world and have a place of, I would say to some, you know, that nonprofit sector Mm -hmm. um, and things are stemming from there um, because it's what, helps the environment and it's all tied into ends up being like something good where people want to donate to and it it, it'll be it's probably better that it's a nonprofit to start sometimes for a lot of these different initiatives but this branch off um i think is great that you guys are doing this um so now that we're talking about startups and um i when I started Smart Living Hawaii I was going down the road of all the different sustainable sectors but then also realize, especially with the energy sector, 
that um, there's this little thing called venture capitalists, <laughs> these VCs, and and I needed to learn a little bit more. So I said, you know what, I'm going to check out this East Meets West um, conference that you guys had um, a few months back. And I wanted to learn more and dive into that world too, to see what it's all about. So for the listeners today, can you give a quick rundown on VC? Yeah, so we, we pitched at East Meets West, uh, not this year, but the year before. Uh, it's always fun to get on stage and have 300 people looking at you and you've got three minutes to get your point across. So I didn't understand this because I was new to mm-hmm. this, but um, so they do pitch and there's people that are in startups. I guess they're part of the cohort. Is that right? Yeah. So you're part of a cohort and then you go and pitch your your business to everybody and then you win just a little tiny bowl if you win i thought there was something that you would actually win but it's not right no, I, don't, <laughs> I don't i don't know why maybe there should be a sponsor for you guys to win something i just thought that oh that person should have won something <laughs> yeah, well you know learning how to pitch it's an art um, it is. So it's repetition and the more times you get up there and you, you you know your gut hurts and you're you're like you don't want to make a mistake um but the, the more times you do it, the better you get. Uh, and East Meets West is great because there's actually um, there's actually venture VCs in the in the audience, and yeah. and they can ask questions, and um, it's rapid question Q and A. Um, like it's a test, but it's not because it could actually it could, get you somewhere. Yeah. In fact, one of our investors um, we met through East, East Meets West, and he came in. Um, we didn't quite fit in the profile of their company but he so he was so blown away by what we were doing he came in individually awesome yeah, yeah, see. yeah. okay but so, um so, so yeah dive back in dive yeah back in. so you know venture capital for startup um you, you can you can spend time and go in, and try and find what they call non-dilutive funds meaning um you're not diluting the ownership of your company so that's typically grants and there's some sizable grant opportunities out there um through SBIR, uh, National Science Foundation, uh, Department of Energy, but those are those take a, um, a bit of time. It's, it's a lot of writing. You have to have someone that can really manage that process. So, you know, typically for startups, you you, you look to venture capital funding, um, and so it's gr- it's great because it infuses capital, but then you know you lose ownership of your company. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing that you have to juggle. So it's really important that you find investors that believe in what you're doing um, and are, are there to really build, build you up as a company and as an as a individual and as a team. And, um, and, and so that takes time. Like as much as they're interviewing you and you got to pitch and you got to show them your financials and your, and your IP, um, you also want to interview them and vet them and make sure that it's a fit for you and that you're going to want to, you know, work with this person because there's going to be some days where you're celebrating and there's going to be some days when you're scrapping, you know, and, and, and you, you got to like figure out how you're going to work together. Yeah. This is not for everyone. I can tell you that much. And it's not for every business either. No, it's more, I would say it's when here in Hawaii, when I was looking at everything, a lot of it's tech. Um, related something that's probably going to be very it could be very lucrative at the end of the day for the people that are investing <laughs> yeah <laughs> at some point and, they're going to get their money back you and know? it's cash intensive to 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 get there right and mm-hmm. so if you're a hardware company mm-hmm. or even a software company you know you need to get that 
minimal viable product built, and then you need to be able to improve upon it, um, get your testing done, get your piloting done, so then you can build your fi- the final version of what you're going to go to market with. Um, and that all takes capital, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we there most startups, there's a big chunk of time where you're basically working for free. You know, you're not paying yourself. All anything that you bring in goes into the company, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's something that you also have to as a you know as a startup founder have to consider be prepared for i'm not doing anything in the tech world but i'm in the same space yeah you know any startup is gonna it's gonna require a lot of time and effort and it always takes longer (laughs) than you think and money more money than you think too (laughs) but um the levels of investors because i think i was I never knew how it worked, but going to that East Meets Sweats things was pretty cool because you got to see that I was learning a lot because you got to see the different levels and who kind of throws money in at different times. Mm-hmm. And there's different types of investors. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts off as what seed? Seed. seed. So we just raised our seed round. Yeah. So that's where you guys are at. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. We just closed on that about a month ago. And, and so kind of the way that works is you have what is called a lead investor and that's the person that's going to come in do most of the due diligence um come and tell you what the value of your company is and and all the kind of legal requirements and then you have what is called follow-on investors so those are the ones that say okay i trust this lead um we're going to come in based on the same terms uh and so um yeah, and so that we were able to raise about half of our money here locally, which we are really proud of because there's not a lot of VC money here locally mm-hmm. in, in Hawaii, but um, we found enough folks here that believed in us. Um, we about half of that money came came from Hawaii, um, and so we you know we're a Hawaii-based company. We're headquartered here. We'll, we plan on always being headquartered here, um, and so that was really meaningful for us. Mm-hmm. And then what's the next step, I guess? I don't know. I was I was looking online because I don't know any of this, but I guess angel. What's an angel investor? Well, no, your angel is that that's your your early stage investors. Okay. And they typically what you do, what is called like a warrant where you say, okay, when the company does a priced round and you know what the company's worth, we'll convert this warrant at favorable terms because you gave, you were the, you know, the came in at the most riskiest time. Oh, okay. And so we had a couple angels that came in early and we were extremely grateful for them because, you know, there's, there's things like, well, certain, you have to eat and you need to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> that was, it's a good thing I can fish. Um, <laughs> How long did I ate a lot of fish. fish <laughs> um, and so with that angel money that came in originally, you know, we got our certifications. There was some mm-hmm. legal um, stuff that we had to do. Um, and so anything that came in from angel went directly into the, into the company. So now that we have that seed round, you know, we're able to do some hiring, you know, pay some, some um, salaries, you know, obviously not at, um, um, you know, typical market price, but then you, you know, you can add equity and other kind of um, favorable terms. But for us right now, it's all about business development and product development. And so we are charging extremely hard um, 
to go and close some commercial deals because we need to get, you know, it's all about revenue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, while we're doing that business development, like what's happening in the market, what do our customers need? What are they asking for? And making sure we're a price prioritizing that on the development side so we can meet all those goals. Mm -hmm. So I guess I know we've talked about this before, but who would you say, I wouldn't say the low hanging fruit, but who are you reaching out to first for, you know, to, to put these deals together? Well, of course, in our backyard, we're we're working with wine electric. Um, And then it's kind of a mix. So we, we went through elemental accelerator which is an accelerator program that was founded here in Hawaii. And it's really a global program. And they have been such an incredible partner for us. Uh, and they have global partners that we can then connect with. And it's great because you really get to get to a decision maker pretty quickly. Um, and so we've done a ton of customer discovery to find out which markets are we the best fit in. And so we're looking at those markets right now. So we have pilots in Canada because there's a lot of electric water heaters in Canada. We have pilots and a proposal um, with a large utility in New Zealand. New Zealand as a country is 95% electric water heaters. So it's a market that's like absolute perfect for us. We've done, um, we've had a successful pilot and we're looking for some partnerships in Australia. Um, That's another country that's, doing a lot to move towards a renewable future. There's money. Um, they have a high, higher penetration of electric water heaters as well. Um, and then California. California is, if you're going to do U.S., um, California is the, really the place to start. And so we're, we're working through um, an RFP right now in, in California and looking at other opportunities. So is there anybody else doing what you're doing nationally, globally? Yeah. You know, we just got back from a conference um, last week. And it was a demand response conference, very specific to what we do. And it was the first time that um, we've we've got about four competitors um, and they were all there. And so that was kind of that was kind of cool to see. You know, barely, I guess, at levels of compared to you. Yeah. I mean, we've taken a different approach um, than most of our competitors. We, We are focused on software and the aggregation um, the smart aggregation and, and forecasting of, of the water heaters we're controlling. Um, what we see a lot on the market is more of a hardware-based so- solution kind of geared for the individual water heater. Um, and, and, and we've taken an approach that we, from a communication standpoint, we're using IoT cell communications mm-hmm. so we can rapidly scale without having to worry about Wi-Fi passwords and, um, and running cable you know, for Ethernet or things like that. Um, so we've taken a different approach, which means we we have a more, uh, I guess we're, we're providing more um, flexibility and more, and, service and more services. And, and so what's interesting about that is we're actually having to do a lot of educating of our potential partners because they haven't seen anything on the market for what for grid interactive water heating in the way that we do it and so or the, i mean i guess you have to explain the value of it to someone yeah the, the, the person that's and, needing or wanting it right and this goes back to when you do a startup the first thing that you do is you make a mvp a minimal viable product and you go out and test it with whoever as many people as you can test it with well you know we have our final we have our current final solution but for us, we really want to go in and do pilots mm-hmm. um, because it's exactly that. Every grid operator is going to have a different need that we, we have to find a solution for. Some are similar, 
but there's but there's always going to be nuances and differences that we need to make sure we account for. Yeah, if you're for. dealing with a townhome community, or you're dealing with single family, or you're dealing with a high rise. Yeah. Or very different. Or is is the region trying to bring on more renewable energy, or are they trying to deal with population growth, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you're going to use a similar function, but what what you're solving for is, is is potentially a little bit different. And so through the pilot process, you understand that better and you build really strong relationships. So when it's time to scale, you already trust each other, you know what you're solving for, um, and it just makes the whole experience, you know, um, more profound and you can get, you can move quicker. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I guess we kind of covered the VC side of things, um, but what I do like to mention is that it's definitely not for every business. Um, and I know there's not, I'm kind of sad about it. There's not a lot because of the funds. Um, there's not a lot that are doing these almost like accelerator programs or cohorts or things like that. Cause, um, could you explain that how you became or how the cohorts work and how people get into them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are so many accelerator programs, incubator programs, global programs. Uh, we get emails every single day asking um, to join different programs. At um, what point do you start or decide to apply? Like who's usually in them in Hawaii, I guess? Are they in the very beginning stages before anything? There's, so there's different... Like an idea? <laughs> yeah, there's different stages. Like actually at Purple Maya, we have a what is called the Purple Prize, and that's an we're early stage. We take you on... you work with the younger? Well... What's age? Yeah, so Purple Maya, we have, we have an intermediate and high school program that's kind of coding and design and all that but we've also branched off and we have what is the purple prize and so that's kind of taking all this learning and and applying it and helping build companies so we're um, this is mostly people that are out of high school that are trying to look at doing a startup and Mm -hmm. and so that's really early stage like at minimum you know they might have a maybe a minimal viable product but oftentimes it's just an idea Mm -hmm. um and so there's programs will be various stage and they'll be pretty upfront with what stage they're looking for. Like elemental accelerator, um, you know, they, they want you to have at least a couple people on board. They want to see that there's some revenue. And so that's a little bit further along um, because they can help scale you, right? Yeah. That that's what they're good at. Um, so depending on what your industry is and what you're trying to build for, then I would encourage people to go out and try and find like who's doing incubators in that space. And then, um, in the same way that they're going to interview you, like you interview them and make sure that that's the right fit. And Purple Maya, what's the focus? Is it culture? And it's within Hawaii. Y- yeah, it's it's definitely kind of culture based. Um, although not just in Hawaii, we actually have a partnership. I'm I'm actually wearing this shirt today. We have a partnership with a Maori um, entrepreneur oh, that's group right. That's right. out of um, Hamilton. And so they're a little bit later stage. So the idea is we kind of come with the, the incubation period and then we do a handoff and our our the teams that make it through actually go to Aotearoa um, and go to the program there so they're getting really a, just a ton of help and um, you know process to build their company wow okay that's awesome yeah you should so you when do you guys 
I guess you have the people apply, right? People apply. And then there's like a prize, like a winner, is that? Yeah, a, a but winner. Do you have cohort? You have cohorts mm-hmm. too, right? Right. Okay. We have a cohort that's um, right now. In fact, we're going through, um, just getting ready to do the final pitches and the judging and we'll declare the How winners. How many do you take in? Oh, I think we did. We did a lot this year. I, I think we did around 20. Wow. Yeah. Um, we had a ton of interest this year. Um, yeah. And so we were, we're, and we, and not just in Hawaii, we we had people from, we had, we had a global cohort, just awesome. So do they come here and are here for that time or do you kind of work remotely? We do a lot of video, um, conferencing for the workshops. Um, and I think some of them did come out for kickoff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we can stay tuned as, so when does the prize? We'll announce the winners this, um, Pretty soon, um, in June, I believe. Okay, yeah. right now it's yeah, it's almost June. It's almost so June. I'm looking to push this out in June. So June what? Just so I, I know, maybe I should do it. I'll, 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 I, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm a bad board president. I don't know <laughs> the exact date off memory. I'll All get right. it for you. All right, thanks. Um, and we'll have a lot of these links as well on top of our uh, our podcast platform so you guys can click on them and learn a little bit more of everything that we're talking about if you're interested and um i did want to talk about the challenges that you guys are facing right now and or you see in the future um here in hawaii too i guess would be a good space because i know that eventually and this is really more of a global company with your shifted energy that you're doing but what are the challenges here in hawaii yeah um there's all there's no shortage of challenges as, as a startup. You, um, you you don't you don't sleep well very often, um, and and so you know. What's well, a good thing your spouse understands? She's very she's very <laughs> understanding. Um, you know, so in startup world, there's kind of what they call the the first valley of death, which is making it through that. Um, phase of identifying what your technology is going to be and then getting some funding to actually try and put a, put a company together. The second valley is where we're at right now, which is we've raised money um, and now we need to scale. We need to, we need to start landing commercial co- contracts. contracts. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's where we're like laser focused right now. Um, we have to do that. There's, absolute pressure from our board from our investors from our partners like we have to we have to lock in lock it, lock it in um so, so there so that i mean with that said that's the one thing i think we in at smart living hawaii is trying to focus on is that there's these different sectors in sustainability and a lot of everybody is it's very siloed right mm-hmm. and you guys are in the energy world and I, because it's water heaters, you're now having to tap into the housing mm-hmm. sector. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we were talking about that earlier. And um, so however we can help and yeah. however um, we can be there for you guys or connect you, let us know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be kind of kicking up um, the work to, to start recruiting participants. There's a, there is a... Is it going to be like a sales team? Are you going to need that? Type um, of thing, or what do you? I'm the sales team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, yes, yeah, so, yes, and we we've got a um, we have a couple other folks that are we're doing it together. Um, okay. And but it, it is exciting to go out and and do the recruiting because we you know we get to educate people. Um, 
there is some bill credit that they get from for participating. Um, we help the property owner or the property manager with better understanding, you know, what's happening um, within their building. We've detected leaks before. Um, what we do it for older buildings, we do a courtesy check of the thermostat and the heating element. Um, it, water heater is one of those things that nobody pays attention to. Until so it doesn't work. Until it doesn't work. And <laughs> so you could have a, a heating element that's gone out and your water heater is now not working efficiently. Your, your bill is going to be higher because of that. And so we help with that. Um, and so we, we just try and stack all these values, right, to make it the whole value chain from the property owner, the manager, the resident, the owner, the, the renter. Everybody's benefiting um, from the solution that we're bringing in. Um, so, you know, that's here in Hawaii. That's what we're we're mostly focused on right now. I mean, outside of Hawaii, um, we're having I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's a lot of educating. It's all it's a lot of like getting decision makers to think about future proofing their investment. So they're not just buying a switch that just turns the randomly turns the water heater on and off. Like you're actually using machine learning um, to, to make the best decision you can at the right time of day Mm -hmm. and having super accurate forecasting. And that's not on the market right now. um, For a lot of things. For a lot of things. Right. 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 I think the more, are you going to be able to, because I see this being monitored or tracking, controlling all different types of smart features in a home. Is it going to, at some point, do you think, connect with one central hub? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so we're actually going to do a, um, a, a test with a, with a completely off-grid home that's using solar and batteries um, because if, and they have electric water heater. So if you can make the water heater smarter, um, and not use the battery at night. So mm-hmm. you could use the battery for other things. So you, we can, we can kind of train the water heater to heat at the right time of day and to turn off at the right time of day based on what's happening with the battery and the solar output. Mm-hmm. There's a, that's, that's a whole other kind of market. Um, at some point in time, everything in the home will have some kind of, um, architecture that it can be controlled and us, the hardware piece of our solution goes away. Uh, and, and, we focus on what's most important. That's the software. Which is really genius of you guys. Cause at some point it's going to be all inclusive, I feel. Yeah. So if it's the software yeah. that's going to stay, yeah. you know, and it's going to grow off of that. So I think that's awesome. So, um, I guess we're going to wrap up today. Uh, sometimes we go way over an hour, but this topic here has um, been uh, just starting. I feel like this is just a new thing and nobody really knows much about it, but you'll be surprised. I'm sure that very soon a lot of us will have this on our hot water heater. If you are a renter, you may get a knock on your door at some point saying, hey, we're going to install this so you can save $5 on your electricity bill or something of that sort so anyhow thanks so much for taking the time to come and speak with us Forrest. i really appreciate it and thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe on our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com you can also follow us on instagram at at smart underscore living underscore hawaii and like us on facebook mahalo until next time live smart uh, we hope. <laughs>